Yeah, welcome to Sully Dog Blues and Roots. Interview with Joe Bonamassa. The Palais Theatre Melbourne before his show, uh, October 2012. Yeah, we're heading out with a, a track from the, the latest... Uh, on a massa album going towards the daylight this one dislocated boy blood in the wine let's call my preaching my very lovely wife I said Yeah, we spoke to Joe about all sorts of things um, about playing and touring and uh, his guitars and a few questions and answers uh, from uh, some of the people on Facebook uh, who are going to attend a gig. Let's head off with it. Well, um, welcome Joe Bonamassa, Solid Dog Blues and Roots. Really appreciate uh, the opportunity to uh, speak with you and uh, welcome to Australia. Everything is great, man. Thanks for having us. I mean, it's... Uh you know, it's our last show here in Australia. We've been coming three years in a row now, and, and this has been the biggest tour we've ever had, tenants-wise, and and um, some of the biggest gigs. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think it's a start and uh, definitely confirms our suspicions that we'll be back many times after this. So. Great. Uh, you've been on, what about, uh, is it a 12-day tour this time? Um, yeah, essentially, it's 12 shows. We started in Singapore. Uh, we did... Uh, six shows in Southeast Asia, we'll do five here, no, I think it's five shows in Southeast Asia, six in Australia, and then one in Honolulu, Hawaii, I know, poor me, right? Oh, I have yeah. to go to Hawaii for a game. <laughs> That's tomorrow. Well, at least the uh, weather will be better than uh, in Melbourne today. But I don't mind the weather, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm an East Coast guy from North America, so I, I know a little rain, spring, you know, that, that, you know. <laughs> low 50s kind of day yeah. yeah it goes up and down now look uh, you're well renowned as a, uh, a, a prodigy as a blues and a rock guitarist uh, where did it all start for you uh, I, I read something when you were 7 you started playing I started playing uh, basically uh, I'm 35 now I started playing when I was 4 essentially and um, so I've been playing guitar for 31 years I, I, I've been playing so long that I don't remember a time in my life yeah. that I didn't own a guitar or at least was guitars around the house so yeah I mean my whole life has been this so and uh, something you just fell into uh, came easy to you? My father played, and um, my grandfather was a musician. My uh, great-grandfather was a trumpet player and musician, jazz musician, and so was my grandfather. My father, being a product of the late 60s, decided he wanted to play guitar and bought himself an SG and a Marshall and yeah. played Leslie West tunes and mountain songs. and <laughs> you know. So that that's how it all started. My dad runs a guitar shop, so it, it, you know, if there was ever somebody who was predisposed to playing guitar, that would be me. And uh, what got you into the blues uh, early? Just the kind of music I like. It's always been that me- that way, you know. I like the simplicity of it. Yeah. I like, the, you know, I'm just a sucker for a one chord, swampy blues rock tune, you know, British style, you know. And that's that's always been, you know, when I put on music. It's like that's always the go-to. You know, Talking to Joe Bonamassa. Yeah, that's what I did it to, baby. 
track I don't believe uh, from uh, 2006, uh, the You and Me album. I don't believe you got somebody. was hungry, you gave me food, you treated me like a king, you never was rude, you bought me clothes, the best in time, whatever was happening baby I was always around, I don't believe, I don't believe in living now. Oh, but blues really is what I wanted to be. you got a big following in the UK haven't you? I do have a big following in the UK and big following in America and, and in Europe and stuff like that and Australia I mean like again for the last three years is everything's been on such an uptick and I have uh, you know I'm just very honored that, that you know somebody said you know you'd be playing the Pally Theater in Melbourne in front of 24 you know 2,500 people it's like gee th- thanks not a bad deal <laughs> right I'll take that yeah fantastic I mean, we saw you at Byron Bay was it last year oh no that'd be 2010 uh, the year I'm getting confused with my years yeah and that was a pretty big gig there too that was a big gig and um, you know uh, my keyboard player Rick Mellick he's from Australia and he's always said Byron Bay is the way to go you know that's the way you get and um, you know Peter Noble uh, invited us down he's actually invited us back a couple of times since then and we've been in kind of the other parts you know you know, it's it's not exactly an easy flight. You know, you know what I mean? It's like it's it's a long flight to get here. Yeah. So yeah. we've been in other parts of the world. We couldn't make it, but um, you know, really, it was the start of something really great. And and people talked about it, and and um, it worked out for us. So. Uh, you're living in Greece now. I don't li- no. I live in Malibu, California, but I uh, record in Greece. Ah, I, I, so I've that's the rec- connection. I've been record. I recorded two albums in Santorini, um, and I've uh, basically uh, had this. Um, you know, this. You know, Kevin Shirley and I, we had this kind of draw to Santorini for two albums, and but the last couple albums I, I, we, we did in Vegas, the last one, and then LA before that. Yeah, the last one was uh, Driving Towards a Daylight. Mm-hmm. They came out this spring. Fantastic record, by the way. Oh, this is spring for you. This is be, yeah, be, right. be early winter for you. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a good couple, of, a few months ago. Now. Yeah, great album. Thank you. And before that, uh, with Beth Hart. Yeah, we had Don't Explain come out uh, last September, and that's been a real win for us. And, you know, just one of those collaborations that we did the record, nobody really, you know, was like, let's just do it for fun with the right, you know, right intentions. There was no pomp or circumstance about it, and it came out really good, and people really latched onto it, loved the, loved the concept, and loved the song selection, and it, it was great for me to just be a member of a band, you know, yeah. not have the pressure of having to sing everything and front it and stuff like that. I was just a geeky guitar player, which I can play that. Yeah, we're talking with Joe Bonamassa on Silly Dog Blues and Roots. Let's hear a track uh, from that Beth Hart album with Joe Bonamassa. This one, Well, Well the album Don't Explain. Well, well, getting to know you so well. Well, well, getting to know you so well. I heard some talking in the neighborhood about a good time somebody's having. They don't know. They just don't know the half about it. I'm glad there's so much to it. What they're saying. We don't know, but we know it. They're ever gonna catch up, they better get going. Well, well, getting to know you so well. Well, well, getting to know you so well. As long as I can see, it's you 
Look, the first time I got onto your stuff, Joe, was uh, Blues Deluxe, which came out about 2003. 2003, that was my, I spent, uh, my manager and I, we spent our last $10,000 collectively on that record. And, All in. And it got me. <laughs> well, you know, it was the big, you know, and, and, it, and it was the biggest thing we had, you know, for a long time. And it, and it worked out. It got really got some traction. It was the first yeah. record that really started getting some traction. And then um, I met Kevin Shirley in 2005, and just things have been multiplying exponentially. So. And you moved... Um, I'd say that, that earlier stuff was really blues, and you've moved into more rock as well? Well, I mean, it's it's kind of a hybrid now. I mean, it's, there's yeah. blues stuff on there. But none of my records have ever been categorized. I mean, you can't really call it traditional blues. Yeah, you, that's not, true. It's not what it is. Yeah. Um, but it is blues based, and I'm categorized as a blues artist. So um, it's you know it's it's such an uh, you know kind of a combination of styles that it almost becomes its own entity after a while. And it's like I call it ADD blues. It's just like blues for the attention deficit disorder. You know, <laughs> because it's like it's like why is there mandolin in this? shuffle and then why is there a bazooki on one of these things yeah, yeah. but I think at the end of the day the the point being is there's no rules and, and if people dig the tunes then so be it yeah no well great stuff you, you've got some awards coming up for um, that Beacon Theatre in New York album awards uh, well we're nominated for Classic Rock um, Band of the Year which is really great really nice to see my band you know that's been traveling yeah, with me yeah, for the last yeah. five six years get get recognized as as you know, as a as a as a what it is is a great band, and um, driving toward the daylight is nominated for album of the year. I'm not sure if we won. It, I'm, probably we didn't, but just the fact that we're nominated alongside ZZ Top and all those other cats. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's not bad. Who's in the band now? I remember a bass player with an eye patch. Yeah, Carmine. He he's now without the eye patch because he had he had he had surgery <laughs> on his eye, so he couldn't. The bright lights. Would, it was a great look. <laughs> yeah, he he wasn't thrilled with it, but um, he 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 is now fully. Patchless, um, uh, Carmine Rojas, who's a, a killer bass player, legend, played with Bowie, you yeah. know, Rod Stewart, everybody. Um. Yeah, we're talking with Joe Bonamassa here on Solid Blues and Roots. Let's hear that track, uh, Blues Deluxe. Oh, they got the dog on the, the Joe. 2003. Yeah, he did this one, uh, the Palais, too, a nice thing. Thank you. 
Bergman uh, on drums, same band, Rick Mellick from Sydney, and um, you know they're all super accomplished in their own right before they even step foot in this group. So, yeah, now look on, on another tack, Joe. You've done great work as an independent musician with new media. I we have had good luck with Facebook, and we've had good luck with um, you know just marketing ourselves in a way that. You know, it, it lets people speak for it. Like, we just yeah. put the music out. Let the music speak for itself. There's no hype. You know, yeah. there's no, there's no like, you know, this this media blitz of of you know everything's been organic and it builds slowly. You have to just be patient. You know, and you know the internet is a real wild place. I mean, it's 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 almost like the new Darwinism. It's like the survival of the meanest. I mean, yeah. what what can I think of next that meaner than the comment that the guy left before? <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like you know, it, and at the end of the day, it's like I look at it this way: anybody, no matter what you think personally of the music, yeah. anybody who gets out there, gets on an airplane, travels the world, brings music that they made in their bedroom. 30 years ago to to a larger than people in their bedroom crowd has my respect because yeah. it's hard it's not yeah. easy to do and it's not something it's not for the faint of heart you no. know and for people to marginalize it just sitting behind their computer screen is not really the best way to really I don't think it just uh, on a moral basis I mean it's if you don't like the music then that's not for me yeah. you know you know but when they it's you know, you see, just glaring. It's not just me. You see these people just glaringly personal attacks on people that they don't even know. Yeah. You know, but the internet has also been a real source of finding an audience for me in the sense that you know somebody who takes a video tonight on their iPhone puts it on YouTube. If it gets enough hits and goes viral, you get half a million hits on a, on, a, on a single video like that. Half a million people saw that video. You yeah. know, that's a hard. It's, yeah. That's yeah. you couldn't put. You'd have to put millions of dollars, you know, and buy ads on television and get MTV to play if there's even MTV still exists at this point. So that's really tough, you know. Look, years ago, people used to put out like, you know, three or four albums a year. I'm going back to the 60s. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we do now. And yeah. you're doing that now. Yeah. So, and, you know, for a while, it was like, oh, you, you shouldn't know, uh, you shouldn't cannibalize your own market from the last album. And, but you seem to be producing a lot of stuff. We produce a lot of stuff. Um, here's the thing is. If you produce stuff of quality, and you, we basically direct market it to our to our our fans, my fans know 
the kind of music that I make. There's people who dig that kind of thing. There's people who don't dig that kind of thing. People who don't dig it, they're not going to buy it. They're not going to yeah. buy everyone. Yeah. But they know if I do a collaboration with Beth Hart, they know it's going to be, you know, it, it, at least hopefully in their heart hearts, they, they know it's going to be good or else I wouldn't put it out. You know, if I, if I, if I you know, put out three albums with a hard rock band, Black Country Community, they're going to know it's going to be good if, if, you know, as long as you never go below what you would accept as a line of quality so you know you know it, it's almost the same playbook as apple they put out a new iphone every year and people buy them why not because they need a new iphone it's because they know the new one is going to be good yeah and they're they they trust the brand and they trust the, the 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 people supplying it it's no different you know we you know as long as the albums are good i will not put anything out that's bad just for the sake of releasing it and it that that to me is that's where you have to keep it you know and that's the beauty of owning your own record company and that's the beauty of 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 saying you know what this didn't come out good don't put it out your guitars you you i noticed on your your um, website with your fan base you sort of talk about your guitar collection yeah, yeah. Well, i've got a couple of questions here from mm-hmm. fans on facebook okay. <laughs> which i'll ask you at the end nice the q a okay um but Tell us some of your guitars. What are you playing at, you know, on this tour? And this tour, I, I brought um, some reissue stuff um, from the Gibson Custom Shop. Really great guitars. A um, couple of '59 reissues and, a, and a, uh, a guitar called Collector's Choice Number no. Three, which is a replica of of my 1960 Les Paul Sunburst. And uh, they just did a run of those, so which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. And your electric and acoustic. What do you prefer? Oh, I, I, acoustic's kryptonite for me. That's yeah. <laughs> I, I like electric. I'm an electric guy. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. But you you do the resonator. You do the yeah. I mean, and and tonight the first five songs of the show is acoustic, and yeah. we just finished a tour in Europe that was two weeks with a different band, um, and we taped at the Vienna Opera House. We took twenty of our songs, re uh, Kevin Shirley and I, and, and and the rest of the group rearranged them in three days, and went on tour, and we did this DVD, and it's all acoustic. Yeah, and. Hits No Hype album from 2011, sort of like a best of, originally on the uh, album Black Rock recorded in, uh, in Greece in Santorini. On the dog, we listen to Joe Bonamassa. So overwhelmingly great. I yeah. said, well, we need to take some of that element and put it in the gig. Yeah. So I start out the whole gig with five acoustic songs, and it really gets people settled, and and they're they're, you know, it it, it takes them on a nice journey, and it, and it really on some of the songs really showcases the song more so than just the shred. 
Yeah, yeah. I noticed on that uh, Beacon Theatre album, the intro is acoustic too. Yeah, the intro. Is, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That that, that was just the, me in the subway and stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, but no, it's you know, truth be told, you know, I mean, people want to hear, and especially in a theatre situation, people want to hear different different sounds and sonically. And, and you know, in two hours, it get boring if you just beat them over the head with an electric guitar. And you do 200 shows a year, I've heard. Uh, in the past, this year it's less. It's probably 100. I think it's 100. 20 less maybe 110 120 well, this what? year but I mean, we'll be on the road 220 days to do you know 100 and what's your advice for um, young musicians never fall into the cliches of what you think you should do okay it's like people get out here and they think it's one non-stop party okay it's like you know and that you can do that you know and when i was in my early 20s that's what i thought but at the <laughs> end of the day it's like i'm responsible for when we go out full tilt okay that's when bringing you know we're down almost 10 people here because we're just flying from show to show and um but when we go out on the road there's 22 people on the road with me mm-hmm that all rely on my ability to play and sing on a day-to-day basis for their livelihoods. And that's a big responsibility. So at the end of the day, you cannot beat yourself down and go out and, you know, go wild because you're going to break down, you know. And it's a business, and it's something I take very seriously, and it's it's something I owe to the fans. I owe owe my fans 100% of my energy every night, day in and day out. Yeah, so, um, well, that, that comes across in the work you do, obviously, Joe. Yeah. Um, look, uh, who's your current, uh, who's influencing you at the moment, um, musician-wise? I'm listening to a lot of, uh, like, uh, Mike Stern, Miles Davis era stuff. Um, you know, I just bought uh, the new Dr. John record, which I think is really killer. The guy from uh, the Black Keys, Dan Arabach, yep, produced yep. it. Thought, did a great job. Um, I like the Black Keys stuff. I think really interesting take on the, the blues. Um there's a lot of different things, you know. Ry Cooter's always in my 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 uh, my, my playbook. I've gotten back into some old Rory Gallagher, more of his, more of his acoustic stuff. Yeah. Um, of late, it just goes it's cyclic, you know. So yeah, a lot of stuff. Well, look, we love your stuff. I, I, there's a thing on Facebook. I just uh, was cheeky and said I'm going to do an interview with Joe. Right. Who, give ask me a question. Now you get here's a question. You don't have to answer if you don't want. Okay. Uh, Joshua says maybe get his side of the story on BCC's current status. Um, my my side of the story is that the record's coming out in August on uh, not August October 30th, and um, you know I mean whatever's been said has been said and it hasn't been said by me and. That's all I can say about that. Okay. How about that? That's awesome. That's great. Danny <laughs> says, uh, which sunburst he's using, which doesn't have custom on the truss rod cover, is it a Rossington? Yes. Okay, that's easy. Rossington number eight. Clive says, what does he think on being called Jobo as classic rock mag of taking the calling it? You know what? The <laughs> fact that they, they call me anything is a, is a good sign, you know? Call me, you can call me anything. Call me Al, you <laughs> call know? Call me Al. Yeah, I thought Paul Simon grabbed that one, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, Liam says, since he's not using his gold sparkly Strat anymore, can I have it? Uh, I sold it. Um, the guitar was sold at the last Eric Clapton Crossroads auction. I believe its whereabouts is somewhere in Russia, and it sold for a whopping $36,000, wow. and it all went to Eric Clapton's Crossroads charity. So it was a win-win. And it was a great way for me to retire that guitar. It was a great way for me to, to step away from that that. Bass boat, gold strat, and that era of my, 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 that era of my playing, and 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 it was, and it went to a good cause. Fantastic. And the last one here, Justin says, how can we convince him to bring his real fifty nines back next year 
going to miss them tonight. It's going to happen. Yeah, you're going to have to wait to the answer of that one, uh, Tone Hound. Uh, Joe's going to talk about uh, the airlines in Australia. Uh, we're listening to Joe Bonamassa, interview with Solly Dog. A track here, funkier than a mosquito's tweeter. Yeah, on the album Ballad of John Henry. Your story's getting dirty. Watch out your mouth. Your lies are getting rusty. Can't believe nothing you say. I'm around and I see what you do. You know you're funkier than a mosquito's tweeter. I did. I did the the last tour last spring. I brought one of my fifty nines with me, and I swear to God, I came back home with an ulcer, and I came back home with less hair. <laughs> Between Jetstar and Virgin Australia, yeah. beat me down. You would have thought I was trying to bring a can of gasoline on the plane. They looked at the guitar like it was a disgusting item, treated me like I was a second class... I kid you not, treated me like a second class citizen. I'll tell you a great story. I bring the guitar, I I took to buying seats, right? I just would buy a seat for it. So so we'd buy two seats and me, and and so it would be like I was an A and B, right? And then there's, there's, there's a C, right? So we get on this one... Plane. I think it was actually a flight from uh, from uh, Adelaide to here the last time, or vice versa. And uh, and it was um, we get in, and Mr. Paul had had seat B, and <laughs> I had seat A. So and I and there was this other dude I didn't know that was in C, and I said, "Well, this is a perfect buffer. And everybody gets yeah. a little extra space. Nobody's in the middle. Guitar just sit, they strap the guitar in the middle." So just to be, just to add extra douchebaggery on top of that, the guy who was the steward on the airplane comes in and says, the guitar has to have the window seat and you have to sit in the middle. I said, really? I said, well, then the guitar wants a gin and tonic and so do I. I just honestly, it's such a shame because I love those guitars. It's not that hard to carry them on the plane. I'm happy to buy a seat, but... But it, it, it starts from the minute you walk in the airport. You don't get five feet in the airport. Somebody's on you about that thing. You're checking it under the plane. I go, not a chance. And then you have to you have to fight them at the yeah. security checkpoint. Yeah. You have to fight them at the gate. And if you multiply that by 25 or 30 days, it becomes taxing. And, and this time I just said, you know what? I don't have the fight in me. And I'm not going to... I'm just not going to allow it. So I brought some really awesome Gibson custom guitars and some real and some some really nice uh, historic makeover, and they sound really great. And they they're 95 percent of what you'd get out of a 59. So I don't think anybody's going to miss too much. 
Great, well, that's a great answer, and uh, we hope uh, the uh, the discount airlines treat you better in the future. It's not even that. It's like <laughs> it's just there, there's a common sense thing to it that doesn't make any that that defies logic, in the sense that I'm not asking to do anything other than strap a guitar into a seat because I don't trust them and then they always give you this like well let's placate you like you're an 8 year old child yeah. we're going to take see I put a fragile sticker on it it's like I cannot willingly I'm, these guitars are going to go to somebody else one day okay when I'm dead and gone if I do my job they're going to go to somebody else to enjoy yeah, yeah. I after 53 years will not accept responsibility for being the, the reason why this thing went from being a one piece instrument to a two piece instrument I just yeah. refuse to, it, it, to me I have the reverence for the history of the instrument and the the knowledge that if I take care of them, they're going to go to somebody else. And then that to me, and I'm not going to let some somebody who has no clue what it is, who's going to treat it like like junk, put it under the plane and destroy it. I just it just so I choose not to bring them, and I just and I, and I just that's been it's it's a sad state of affairs. So. Well, yeah, well, it's not a good story, but that's a no, but, but, but that's what it is. I mean, it's like you can't fault me for not. Yeah. bringing it because it's no. just, it just last year was such a beat <laughs> so yeah listen thanks Joe we really appreciate Cheers. you giving appreciate us some time and, thank you very um, much and have a great gig tonight I appreciate we'll it we'll be out there to have a listen it'd be fun and um, really appreciate your time on Solid Dog Blues and Roots very good thank po- you podcast of the biggest I, I appreciate your time on <laughs> Solid thanks called? Salty Dog Blues and Roots Salty Dog Blues and Roots there you go that's right Yeah, we've been listening to Joe Bonamassa on the side of Blues and Roos. Uh, you can get onto uh, Joe Bonamassa on the web, uh, on Facebook, uh, about 300,000 likes on his page. And uh, audiences all over the world uh, digging the sound. We're going out with a track uh, from the new album, uh, Driving Towards the Daylight. Well, somewhere trouble don't go. Here comes your man. I 